0: Welcome to TT with the Ballers Podcast.
1: Hi, guys. Hi, everyone. Uh, today is a very special episode because I have a very, uh, very enthusiastic fan of a club not many people associate themselves with uh just like uh, a few episodes ago we interviewed uh a Southampton fan and how his journey has been uh I have the privilege of welcoming Vivek on the show who is an Aston Villa fan and given the current context there's so much to talk about I I can't even begin but yeah hi Vivek welcome to TT with the Ballers and uh let's just uh introduce you to the people, to the crowd, right?
0: Thanks, thanks, Harsh. Uh, long time pending as well. And, and uh, like, lovely to be here, actually. Like, talk about football in general, just spoke. miss talking about football. And like you said, not a lot of people actually know about Aston Villa. I mean, now they do. Uh, a lot of people who follow different clubs. I mean, also because of Gerard, a lot of people started... Uh, watching Aston Villa matches, I mean, I remember a time when I used to uh, watch it, stream it. Uh, I was also briefly admin of an Aston Villa club uh, page on on, on a Facebook. I mean, it's I, a weird weird coincidence, but I'll, I'll tell you about it right. in, in some time. But uh, it's great that uh, a lot of people are actually uh, taking notice of Aston Villa, their progress. Uh, thanks to Gerard, obviously, uh, didn't work out. Unfortunately, but again, a lot of people started taking notice. It all started with Grilish, to be honest. I mean, right. he put us on the map. Mm-hmm. A lot of people started following his career closely. Uh, but but amazing, lovely to be here. Uh, lovely talking to you as well.
1: But yeah, thank you so much for being here. This is that kind of show that we have started without any. We are not here to be the greatest show. In in the sense that we don't want to win awards, but it's just one of those places you know where you can find your 15 year old and 17 year old fandom back alive, and then you can just have like a few folks who know about football, and we can just talk and have the banter, and uh, you know just really enjoy a good time, connect with people with similar interests. So that's what TT with Ballers is all about. It's just a recreation of a hostel lobby, where we used to have those legendary talks. Obviously, it's much more, <laughs> I would say, civilized over here. <laughs> not the, not the same, but yeah. Uh, so let's jump right into in, uh, in the in the conversation. So I would just like you like to know about your footballing journey, how how you came in contact with football because you know in india everyone has their story that okay yes this is when i started watching football and this is how i started watching football for me it was it was a fluke i i, I was in mumbai and i just was uh, watching uh, the the 2000 uh, the 2002 world cup i guess the 2002 world cup i was watching with with a few of my cousins in mumbai and that's how i started watching it and then then it just kind of continued it peaked in in uh, around 2008 9 10 season with the 2010 world cup and i guess there was the euro which spain won in 2008 so that that's when my like the interest the spark was there from 2003 but that's when I really started following football, and uh, somehow Torres and Gerard just just caught my imagination and and everyone in my school was a united fan. So somehow I was like nahin, yaar, Liverpool. Types. <laughs> and that's how it started, and that's how it has been. So what's your story?
0: I mean, uh, it's it's very typical uh, Indian upbringing, right? I mean, we all used to play cricket. Uh, ob- obviously, we knew of football and, and we always had that odd friend who would be like, okay, let's play no, football. Khelte. And it would be like, no, no, we play cricket. <laughs> and that's how it used to be. I and mean, even in school, I mean, we we played a lot of sport. Uh, I mean, I grew up in this area called BARC, uh, Baba Atomic Research Center. And, and the luxury of actually living and and still and, uh, Playing in the uh, sea was uh, had massive grounds like massive, massive different different sport. Uh, same with our school. So, but obviously, uh, it was it was all cricket. Cricket uh, caught our imagination, and and uh, I think uh, around like fifth grade, uh, that would be like mid mid uh, or late nineties. Uh, mm-hmm. I had this friend uh, Swapnil and. He was the only person who used to play football. Okay, and and obviously there was nobody else. In- Hit the, the ball, and he would just. Uh, but he always played football, uh, and and that kind of caught my imagination as well. Okay, and we were like, okay, this seems like a fun thing to do, and and we started playing football. Uh, not not uh, like proper rules and all. We used to okay. just like 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 have a, have a put about that's what they used to call it. we just used to play play uh, like how how every every uh, fourth grader would play right. and uh, obviously we didn't have access to a lot of lot of uh, tv channels back then right i mean mm-hmm. most most of it was uh, like basic basic uh, international football scene and and being from kerala i mean i i remember my dad Saying he loves Maradona and 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 that's very typical of every other carlight, right? It's either Pele or it's it's Maradona, and now it's moved to Messi and Neymar. But yeah. back in the day, it used to be who's who's a better player, Pele or Maradona. And my dad would sing songs about how how good Pele was, and and he used to uh, love reading reading those articles in newspapers, and and that kind of piqued my interest as well when it comes to uh, football. And and we used to follow international football tournaments, right? World yeah. Cups and all. Uh, but like you said, uh, we we started following EPL once it started uh, getting telecasted in TV, and uh, we all had to select one club, right? I mean, that's how it was. That's how all men are, right? I mean, you choose a football club, then you are like super young, and and then break your head over it, even when you are a forty-year-old, and and we all started choosing choosing teams, and uh, I always used to root for the underdog. Uh, and and we had like a typical Arsenal fan. A lot of people were Manchester United supporters because Manchester United was like doing like really really well back then. Obviously Liverpool weren't That's doing that, that, that great, but how, yeah, like, it was it was sheer dominance. They were. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean you all know how it was, right? I mean three seasons. I mean Aston Villa like took the sixth spot, and and they uh-huh. they were like above Liverpool during Martin O'Neill's time, uh, but. Like I said, we, we all had, we had our good days, we all had our bad days. And most of the people were like Manchester United supporters. Like under Ferguson, they were winning like leagues left, right and centre. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but Champions League, I mean, that's what made us like take football like really, really seriously. And uh, mm-hmm. I remember this match between uh, like AC Milan and, and United and I was like, oh, fuck, man. I mean, AC Milan plays really well. I mean, that's the only other club I mean, I support and I love watching other than Aston Villa. Obviously, I, I watch a lot of football, but... If if I had to support another team, I mean, it would be AC Milan, and and that's purely because of uh, obviously Ronaldo. I mean, I love right. the original Ronaldo. I yeah. mean, he's, he's Brazilian. That's what we keep saying, right? There's one Ronaldo, and, and he's not real. Uh, <laughs> but again, Andrea Pirlo as well. And uh, right. we, we started watching watching football and Premier League uh, in 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 school, and and the first match that that I saw. Possibly it was, it was uh, Aston Villa's and, and there was this particular player, uh, Juan Pablo Angel. And I was like, okay, I mean, this this guy looks really cool. I mean, he plays really, really good football. And and that's how I actually started supporting Aston Villa. I mean, it's a, a really as weird as... moment for me. I mean, I just saw them playing playing on TV and I was like, okay, this is the club I want to support. I mean, this is the club that I want to be invested in. And, and it never changed. I mean, it, like, we got relegated. I mean, they were, like, spring of bad run. But again, like, never felt like supporting any other club. And it was always Villa. Top signings as well. A lot of people who actually moved out of Aston Villa are doing doing significantly better. Uh, I was just looking at the France squad. And and uh, Jordan Vertu is, is actually part of the France squad. And he, he <laughs> used to play, like, really bad uh, <laughs> when he was at... Aston Villa, and, and, but but it's good to good to see them doing well. That happened. Uh, that yeah, that does
1: happen. You know, like uh, who knew Serge Gnabry is gonna get that amazing, right? Exactly. I and mean... Arsenal sold him, and uh, yeah, that's how it is for us, man. Maybe we are two simple beings. <laughs> uh, so yeah, simple beings. That <laughs> it's it's quite quite a story, you know. Uh, yeah, so. Just coming uh, from there, from the origin story to to how has it been? I mean, it's it's like you said, been a very tumultuous journey, full of ups and downs, and and uh, so there was a time of just not so long ago when when As- uh, Aston Villa was really strong. You know, I'm talking about a little while ago when there was this this string of sales uh, Stuart Downing, Ashley Young. Even before that, uh, Dwight York, uh, Archer, players like that. So, so the thing is, we discussed this and uh, a few few episodes ago, how you know, like, like the vultures of English football come <laughs> come uh, making rounds, and you know, they they like to pick on teams. Uh, we were discussing, I guess, Southampton in that context where uh, and even leicester city in that context where you know like the supposed big clubs they 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 like to pick on uh, teams that are you know are going through tough times and humbler times you think if if basically what i'm trying to say is has selling over the years hurt aston villa i mean look at what happened currently you know uh, This guy, Jack Grealish, got sold. And then, you know, that money was invested somewhere else. You got a very fond player of mine, Philippe Coutinho, in your team. Obviously, things are not going well. But the point I'm trying to make is it hasn't worked out so good. So, my question is, does selling hurt Aston Villa? Or is there a way around it? What do you feel as a fan, you know? You you suddenly start liking a player and you're like, oh, this player is really good. And then you end up losing that player to a Manchester United or an Arsenal or a City. So, in that context, uh, how have you
0: felt over the years? I mean, uh, there's two ways to look at it, right? I mean, one is obviously if your club lacks ambition, uh, and also a reality check. For a lot of players, I mean, Europe is the ultimate destination, right? They want to play uh, uh, in the Champions League. Uh, at, That's kind of prompted a lot of players to move out of Aston Villa. We were doing well. I mean, we were like regularly featuring uh, in Europe, but obviously uh, we didn't have the kind of money to keep those players invested in the team, uh, nurture their growth. I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people actually moved out and it has hurt. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, a lot of clubs for that matter, right? I mean, uh, Everton... That's one of the like like biggest feeder clubs around. I mean, they still do it. Same goes for Aston Villa. Whenever there's a there's a player doing exceptionally well, they, like you said, they, there's always going to be vultures. And it's also up to the player whether they want to move or not, right? And up to the up, up to the management, up to the owners, whether they want to cash in and and take money instead of trying to keep the player alive, keep the player in the team, and and build a team around them and kind of push push forward. Uh. You quoted a lot of very good players. We obviously uh, don't speak well of Dwight York, considering what he did. He wanted to move out. I get it, but he stopped playing altogether, right. and and that kind of left a really sad taste. Uh, uh in a lot of lot of like traditional fans, right? I mean, how how could he could he do that? Uh, he same could be Sky Sports. I guess
1: he came and he he kind of said that he was sorry or that was not very mature of him but yeah that goes without saying if you pull that off a fan remembers it for life
0: exactly and and same thing goes for martin O'Neill. Uh, obviously he he couldn't keep hold of a lot of players and and randy Lerner, the owner back then i mean he just wanted to make some money uh, he obviously didn't care about the club he just got it from his father so he just wanted to make money out of it but Again, we sold a lot of players, according to Martin O'Neill, it was James Milner's departure, which uh, made him resign before the start of a season, considering we were like finishing the top six in sixth position above Liverpool for like straight three seasons. Obviously right. you're doing well.. Sixth. Sixth. But he's also yeah. responsible. Yeah:, right.
1: three, three seasons. Yeah. back to back, sixth. yeah. And that's a that's I mean, a I remember win. that. <laughs>
0: I mean we we all had our challenges. I mean, Liverpool used to do well in Europe. I mean, and right. they were not doing that well, well in the league. Uh, they had their own own uh, like terminus past, if I had to put it that way. My but again, uh, 10 days. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. we we had we had a lot of weird managers, man. I mean, one person I actually like was Gerard Holier, but obviously right. he had to resign because of his faith, like like falling health. And and then we just experimented. We just started getting people left, right, and center. It kind of never worked for us. Uh, we we had so like managers like managing McLean the team I for 10-15 matches. Alex- nobody likes Alex McLeish, man. <laughs> <laughs> nobody <laughs> likes him. Considering he also coached Birmingham City, right. uh, like obviously no nobody want to be associated with the blue noses. But hmm. again, like uh, there was like the Tim Sherwood uh, era, Robert Di Matteo. Uh, Remy Garde. I mean, I don't even know why why we we got him on board. I mean, he didn't understand English football. Uh, and then we we had some consistency when, and when Dean Smith came in, right? I mean, lifelong Aston Villa supporter. He was a ball boy. He used to like watch matches when he was a kid. Like proper supporter, uh, coaching our team. Uh, but again, uh, he what he wanted and how how that the tactics he used obviously didn't go that well with with what the management wanted. A string of losses and and we, we chucked him out obviously i wasn't uh, that thrilled about dean smith moving moving out and gerard coming in uh gerard came in only because of the ceo right because because the relationship with steve and gerard that's the only reason why he came in and perslo is like one of those people who who uh, want to hit the headlines want to make statement signings so he he got got Gerard in, but I mean I'm thankful but to why Gerard. Don't, why I don't mean, you explain he got that more
1: deeply? Why don't you explain that a little more deeply on on what the relationship between Gerard and the current CEO is, and what is it all? I mean on? because we would love to know a little bit more about it.
0: I mean they were they were both there at Liverpool, right? I mean so so you can do the math what how how it is, and that's one of the only reason. Uh, uh even Coutinho came in, and and. Uh, when it came to selling Grillish, I mean, it was it was a really bad moment for the club, considering we were planning to build a team around Grillish And he he was like one of the brightest prospects ever to come from the academy. Uh, I, I love Gareth Barry. I mean, again, an academy player. I'm a big fan of Mark Albrighton. I mean, I love him. And I was really sad to see him move to Leicester, but he won the league. So I'm, I'm thrilled about it. But the very few people or very few players I re- like distinctly remember because to be honest, I mean I don't know a lot of things that used to happen like because before I was born obviously we, we won the Champions League. but my understanding of Aston Villa and uh, how how they used to play and uh, what the club is all about it all started after I've started watching watching football. So right. I, I can only speak about players who, uh, came into the picture maybe like 15, 20 uh, years ago, and and Grealish being one of those players. I mean, you you see him play, and and he wants to play freely. He's an amazing player, and he's like super talented. He can do things which I've never seen an English player do. I mean, and right. we lack flair. I mean, English players lack flair. I mean, that's that's very obvious. And and people compare him to Gaza and say he's that good, and I want to believe them, but we sold them off. We made a lot of money, but Pursler did the same thing, right? I mean, he had a press conference. He addressed all, all the supporters. He told them why we let Grillish go. What was the reason? There was this clause. Obviously, Manchester City met that clause and he wanted to go and play in the Champions League. And obviously, if a, if a club that routinely plays in the Champions League, they come calling, he had to go. That was the deal. But he did it well. He was transparent. He spoke a lot about... Uh, why he moved out and what we are going to do about it, what are the kind of players we are going to bring in. So, everything about him is statement, to be honest. It was a huge call,
1: by the way, you know, from Manchester City to invest that amount of money in Jack Grealish and, you know, just play one season without a striker. I mean, there were talks if if they are going to buy Harry Kane or uh, Erling Haaland or Jack Grealish and apparently Manchester City chose Jack Grealish. Uh, but his form has dipped, and uh, so I would just like to know a little bit further on on what what Jack Grealish was, what he is, and is that amount of money justified? To be very it's honest, it's not.
0: Just it's not. I, I'll be very honest. I, I, I see Gola a lot player. of. I mean, he is an exceptional player. I'm I'm going to go ahead and say that. But is he worth 100 million? No. Even Aston Villa doesn't think so. They just wanted to keep him in the club, so they put that exorbitant price tag so that nobody could come and 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 obviously meet that tag. And is he h- worth hundred million? Obviously not. He is not like like to be honest. The kind of money you're play paying for Erling Haaland. I mean, you used to pay half that money for someone of Thierry Henry's caliber back in the day, right? Right. So obviously it's not justified. But what people don't understand is he's not hundred million worth. That was the price tag that Aston Villa put and, and Manchester City just met them. And they again wanted to cash in on that talent. Are they using him wisely? I don't think so. What is he doing at Manchester City? I mean, I, I watched a lot of Manchester City matches purely because of Jack Grealish. And I, I like to see them play. They play well. But all he does is like pass sideways. He would make a couple of runs and then he would just like give the ball to someone else and they would try scoring. Aston Villa, he used to Run at defenders, he used to score goals at will and he used to score amazing goals. He used and to he score volleys, he used to score top bins.
1: At no one could dispossess him, and that is something nobody could. But... Yeah, and he was, I mean, that's crazy. He's not a messy kind of dribbler, he is not even a Patrick Vieira who's like, like you know, just, just a towering presence. But there's something about his his time at Aston Villa. I mean, he would just run with the ball,
0: and no one you had to foul him to get him away from the ball, and that that was. Uh... And, and, and he used to free up a lot of players, right? I mean, there would be two, three players always marking Grillish, and then you could right. easily get away from them, like either by getting fouled or just like dribbling past them. And there would always be a couple of people who would be like free and and i believe a lot of people actually uh, liked or enjoyed playing with Jagrilish because he did that role really well i mean whenever there was a, a issue wherein you couldn't pass the ball and long balls weren't working jagrelish would like drop back he used to collect the ball and make these forward runs and he used to free up the entire pitch and that's exactly what he's not doing at manchester city uh, they're not using him to his maximum potential but he went there to win trophies obviously he won won the league and and uh, I mean, they they have the team to win the Champions League, to be honest. I mean, they're not winning it because it it seems like they don't want to win it. That's the only thing that's holding them back. Obviously, they have a strong enough squad to win the Champions League. I mean, they play like beautiful football, uh, possession football. They're, They're really good when it comes to attacking. They have some amazing players. But is it being used well? I don't think so. Was that move necessary? Did City need him? Obviously not. They didn't need him they had like like so many better players there are so many good players in that position they obviously didn't need him so again it's it's all about making a statement and having a homegrown player in your team uh, yeah. i remember a lot of clubs used to do that there, there was this mandate that you need needed to have x number of homegrown players right. i don't re- recollect the exact number yeah, but yeah. you need yeah. to have them
1: yeah they, and, they...
0: and uh, arsenal had fabregas people couldn't wrap their heads around it but yeah I mean, he's played for them like for so long obviously he ended up being a homegrown player but I can only see that being the reason. Either either uh, like, like making a statement or maybe uh, not letting other clubs come and poach him. Maybe that could be one of the reasons. Uh, but I don't know. Is His talent is just being uh, left there on the bench. Um, I don't know why they are doing it. Wasted. But uh,
1: let's, let's move on from uh, Jack Grillish and come to the man, the myth, the legend, Steven Gerrard. What went wrong? What was this? Uh, first of all, what was this entire fiasco with with the club captain? Um, I'm forgetting his name. Sorry, uh, Paron Mings. Uh, Paron Mings. So, what was that entire fiasco all about? Because see, I love Gerard. Okay, he's like like the best player I have seen. Because I've been a Liverpool fan, and and you know the amount of respect. Maybe not the not the most skillful player, or not the most like, like, but the amount of respect he has from Liverpool fans because it takes special something to, you know, to stay at a struggling club and literally carry that club. Like, you have to shoulder that club where, you know, Barcelona's and AC Milan's are calling you and that takes something. So, I have, like, loved Gerard to, like, I, I can't even tell, like, so, that's how, like, any typical uh, Liverpool fan would love. So, I was really excited and, you know, how how you start thinking, he okay, he did well in Rangers, now he's an Aston Villa. Now, <laughs> five years down the line, he'll become this amazing manager and then come to Liverpool. But that <laughs> crashed midway and I just want to know, like, what went wrong? Uh,
0: to be honest, I wasn't too thrilled that uh, Gerrard was... Uh... Uh, like given the coaching responsibilities, uh, he did well at Rangers, no doubt. Obviously, uh, I mean, I do follow Scottish Scottish League. I mean, uh, I, I used to love watching Celtic play. I mean, Henry Classen, Nakamura. I mean, amazing, amazing players and amazing club. Amazing, amazing jersey. Amazing crest. Uh, but it, at the end of the day, it's a two-horse race, right? I mean, it's either Celtic or or Rangers, and 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 he did it with Rangers, obviously. Right. But he but he got uh, the other
1: horse uh, uh, across the finish line, and that horse wasn't getting over the finish
0: line for like what five exactly. And what what people I mean, what people need to realize is that it's not just Gerard, right? I mean, I mean, it's it's his coaching staff as well, and that's I think something that didn't really go well with uh, Gerard when it comes to Aston Villa. Uh, Michael Beale, like, left the start of the season, uh, and and he went and is now coaching QPR. And and what uh, all the players actually came out and 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 spoke about Michael Beale, they respect the man, and and they said he was the one who used to conduct all the, all the. Exactly. Uh, I mean, again, like like Perslow wanted a statement signing, and and he knew him. From his Liverpool days, I mean, he was the managing director of Liverpool. I mean, in 2009, I think. So. Yeah, I mean, 2009. Really shitty times for Liverpool fans, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of explains, right? That kind of explains the entire fiasco. Uh, but again, I mean, Gerard was doing well, and 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 he wanted to uh, like like get him on board, and and uh, obviously the project is exciting. You have like owners who obviously have a lot of money, and they want to invest in the club they're not purely looking at making making profit by selling off players they want to keep their players and if they are to let go of players obviously they they want to make some money out of it uh, same thing happened with uh, Chukameka, right when he when he moved to move to chelsea i mean this guy wasn't getting like first team football at villa and and they ended up making what like 15 20 million i think out of him okay. but again uh, it's it's good good piece of business so when liverpool came obviously i i was like really skeptical, is he going to do it? But considering he does have Premier League, Premier League experience, not from a coaching perspective, but but uh, being a player and and he obviously has that star power, right? I mean a lot of players would want to want to be part of something that's that's being done by by Steven Gerard. Right. So Gerard we, we, had, call, we you had some success. The call. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. very... I mean you do do that. And and yeah. uh, I mean thanks to Gerard for for helping Coutinho uh, sign that contract. I mean I'll be forever indebted to Gerard for doing that. I mean, there was no way anyone could have done that. Right. Uh, obviously, he wanted to like resurrect his resurrect his career. He wanted to go ahead and play for Brazil. He Wasn't getting enough opportunities. But leaving all that aside, you need someone with that kind of pull. Uh, we we had like 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 few few uh, like good run uh, uh, previously, but I think the start of the season with Michael Beale moving to QPR that kind of left him clueless and. Even spectators and even even fans, we could see what was lacking in the game, right? I mean, there was no width, We weren't using, making use of the flanks. Right? We didn't have. We had traditional wingers in our team, but we were not making use of it. A lot of players were being played out of position, and uh, a lot of people say. I mean, I'm not entirely sure. Of course, obviously, we won't know the true story. But a lot of people say Gerard wanted to make the statement within the dressing room, and. Aaron Mings in general. I mean, he he is a voice. I mean, you have to listen to him, right? He's that kind of person. He's very vocal about a lot of lot of things. He's local about social causes. He's local about uh, how how the team is team is playing, and and he just wanted to establish his authority by by like getting getting rid of the captaincy, which which didn't make a lot of sense to me because Megan. I love Megan. He's a he's an amazing amazing player considering. Uh, uh, he was playing at uh, he was playing the Scottish League and, and then to come here and and do whatever he's doing and he works hard like he's, he's an amazing player. He reminds me a bit of James Milner at his prime. Keeps right. running. He's, he's a tremendous tremendous talent. But uh, you need someone who who has that kind of voice and he who's that kind of control in the in the dressing room, which obviously be, 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 it's it's for everyone to see, right? Megan couldn't handle it. Megan couldn't handle the pressure. It kind of started affecting his game. He was a regular starter. Now, now he can't even get a get a match, and and he's is, he's is just getting subbed like after 65, 70 minutes, which which doesn't make a lot of sense considering we are all dependent on Megan after Grealish moved out. And right. nothing, nothing seems to have worked for Gerard, to be honest. And obviously, the the kind of results we are getting, we're not not winning against. Uh, like recently promoted teams, which doesn't make a lot of sense because we we have a decent squad. I like to believe that we have a decent squad, uh, but it just didn't seem to be working working out for Gerard. And uh, he seemed a bit stubborn. I mean, uh, I've seen him play. I know he can be stubborn, and and he used to always put in that hard tackle. This was back when like Premier League was very lenient when it came to sliding mm-hmm. tackles, right. right? I mean, people used to break their fucking legs. Now it's now it's all all. Like bar and, and and like people from uh, South American countries coming in rolling rolling on the ground like like somebody shot them. Back in the day, people were willing to put in that hard tackle. Right. Uh, you could see like Rooney playing with like like fucking stitches on his yeah, legs yeah. and then like head head open. That's how it used to be. So a lot of people say Gerard was stubborn, and we could actually see it in a lot of matches. He would wait till the last moment to make tactical changes. You see your team. Is down by a couple of goals. You need to make 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 uh, certain tactical changes, and and we couldn't see that in in our matches. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I believe it uh, really really didn't work out for him. I think it was just his stubbornness, but also like losing losing out out the 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 mastermind, if if I had to put it that way, the person who was uh, helping him with all the tactics, him moving out didn't help his cause either. But I think he just needs to take some time off. Uh, like assess his options and then maybe start at a lower league, uh, like right. get more involved with the team. And maybe if it helps, let go of his ego. Uh, I'm not entirely sure if it's an ego problem, but maybe it helps. Uh, maybe obviously, it people see you as Jared, right?
1: Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe it is because a lot of ex-players, you know, not so good ones but uh, a lot of players have told that you know he is a bit stubborn and he is you know he has that leadership liverpool captain england captain kind of attitude and sometimes it 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 does not help you but i mean yeah at the end of the day if you are getting results
0: you are getting results and and i think it was the i result. mean i mean i love the player no doubt about it i mean obviously i i never liked him when he played really well against villa but obviously i like him as a player i've uh, like you said, not the most technically gifted person, uh, not the most uh, uh, skillful player on the field. Not a lot of flair, but he could do things. Like I mean, right. he could score from anywhere, acute angles. He didn't care. He could shoot from 40 yards out. He could do a lot of things. And Champions League final. I mean, obviously, it's when you when you're talking about Gerard, it's it's hard not to bring that up. He did it on his own, single-handedly against a supremely talented AC Milan side. So. As a player, yes, he's amazing. But I just feel he kind of rushed into uh, uh, coaching a Premier League team. Maybe he should have just chucked around with with uh, Rangers for a bit. Obviously, they were they're still playing Champions League football, so yeah. maybe he could have helped them a bit before before doing this doing this jump. But playing in the Premier League, coaching uh, in the Premier League, I mean, it's it's a very very lucrative opportunity. I'm um, uh, I do not think anyone would, would say no to that. Right, right, right. I mean, Let's it's it's hard, hard to just move move away from that.
1: But I think in the end, it, it's, it's a good story. You have got a really experienced manager now in Unai Emre. And uh, he has shown... I mean, I was... I was, Gerard gets sacked, no manager. Aston Villa wins. Again, Unai Emre comes. He defeats Manchester United. So, it does feel like a statement... Uh, come back, uh, you know, uh, after sacking Gerard. Uh, so, it it's certainly working in favour of you. Uh, but again, uh, Unai Emre, I mean, as good as it gets, uh, I think most of the Aston Villa fans would be thrilled. Then Poutinho as a player and now Unai Emre as a manager. I mean, good days.
0: I mean to to have someone experience actually take up the project, I mean it it means a lot. It kind of uh, uh, puts a lot of faith in what the owners want for the club, right? I mean, they're just not settling for someone. Obviously i I love Dean Smith. He's an amazing coach and and uh, he he made the transition possible, right? He got us promoted and, and he got that eleventh eleventh position finish. I mean, obviously he's he's a, he's an amazing coach. And I wasn't thrilled to see him go, but obviously, if Dean Smith had to go, someone experienced had to come in. I mean, that's the whole point. And from the looks of it, Unai Emery uh, has sorted a lot of the backroom issues. It it feels like, uh, obviously, uh, for the for the time being, uh, Emi Martinez is is wearing the captain's armband. But uh, it would be good to see who's who's going to do uh, who's going to uh, get that armband in the in the long run. Uh, I mean, I love Tyrone Wings. He's an amazing player. Obviously, he has that uh, mistake or two, which usually happens in crucial moments. He loses his cool, loses his concentration. But he pushes the team. I mean, he's a he's a very vocal player, uh, and and I've always seen him uh, push people forward and and help help the team. And it, I just feel sorry for uh, John Megan, to be honest. I mean, I'm. I'm pretty sure he didn't want to get mixed in all these things, but he just happened to do that right. uh, for fort- whatever reason.
1: Unfortunate politics and unfortunate
0: politics and and uh, unfortunate time to be out of form as well. And uh, there are a lot of players who weren't getting a second look in the team. Uh, I mean, Morgan Sanson for that matter. I mean, like terrific player has played in the Champions League for Marseille and uh, I was personally excited to see him uh, uh, feature for Aston Villa and, and Whenever he's played, I mean he's played like really good football. He looks like a, a gifted player. He he looks like a skillful player. So obviously, there are a lot of players who are up the pecking order right now. Uh, I'll, I'll just have to wait and see how how Una makes use of the existing squad. Uh, obviously, he would want to do his own shopping in January, maybe like fix a fix a few things here and there. But we we have a decent, we, we have a decent side. When you compare the likes of uh, maybe a Fulham uh, or a, or a, or a Nottingham Forest, for that matter. I mean, uh, it's it's Premier League, right? I mean, it's very unpredictable. Like like you you have top four teams actually losing matches against bottom four teams. It it had, happens all the time. But Unai Amri did an exceptional job with with Villarreal. I mean, they didn't have the best squad around, but he knew where they were good where they were good at, and and they he won what like three straight. Uh, European cups. I mean, it's it's amazing, amazing what what he did at that club and exciting times, like you said. Uh, hopefully, it works out well for him and uh, he can correct a lot of mistakes he did at Arsenal. Obviously, the expectations Arsenal has right. when a manager comes in, it's it's huge, right? Right. Uh, considering was it right after Arsene Wenger moved out? I think it was. I guess so. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So obviously that's that's added pressure. It's like like David Moyes and uh, uh, Ferguson, right? I mean, Moyes an amazing manager. He did really well with Everton. Is doing really well well with 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 West Ham.
1: Yeah, I was coming. Exactly. I mean,
0: they're playing good football. Uh, I mean, I I I don't think I've ever seen like West Ham play this 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 well. But uh, But again, it didn't work out for him.
1: Kind of clubs just come up, you know, like West Ham. (laughs) It used to be Newcastle with Alan Pardew for for a little while. It was you guys for uh, during that stretch when you were finishing sixth and uh, consistently sixth. And now it's West Ham. I don't know how Newcastle are gonna pan out. I mean, it's crazy how they're. I mean, they're, they're, <laughs> and uh, they haven't even
0: from the spent looks of it. They they, they haven't even spent anything. Exactly. Yeah. They they that, have not spent is, anything. And
1: is talking about it. Okay, I agree that uh, Newcastle are playing really well, and they have a new Saudi ownership. But they haven't even spent, bro. What happens when they start spending? And uh, exactly,
0: and and lot of lot of people were not thrilled when and uh, Eddie Howe uh, uh, came into the picture, right? Uh, they wanted to get a like like really good good coach, and nobody wanted to like like be part of part of this project, and that's what actually made them get Eddie Ho on board but he's done an amazing job amazing job considering last season where they were like they, they they couldn't win a match i mean they couldn't like string a couple of passes i mean almiron look at him how how well he's playing now and i remember last season he was just running like a headless chicken and and now he can't stop scoring i mean even with against villa he he uh scored an absolute belter but it's just the like man, the kind of score uh, you get. All, and,
1: uh, Chris Wood came from Burnley, sorry. But yeah, yeah. I mean, he was a 30-year-old striker and who would have expected him to put in this, this kind of performance and he has already some 7-8 goals to his name. And that's as good as you can expect from a 30-year-old striker these days. So, yeah. yeah exactly. Man. I mean,
0: uh, they, they're doing really well. Like you said, Wood... Uh, With Burnley, I mean, they they used to ping all these long balls and he would, like, considering how tall he is, he was just try-headed. I mean, they would always be dependent on set pieces and he's done an amazing job. And uh, I I don't think Alan uh, Saint-Maximin is playing, right? I mean, he's injured, I think. So, So he's not even featuring and he, I for once feel like he is a really good player and and he is supremely talented and it's again, it's very difficult to get the ball away from him. But they are doing really, really well. I know a few people who supported uh, Newcastle all their life and and uh, again like relegation uh, uh, battle getting relegated again they didn't lose hope uh, they have shit tons of money we'll just be excited to see see uh, what's gonna happen and that again uh, is one of the reasons why a lot of other teams are doing well right because back in the day I mean it was just the top four teams I mean who knew Chelsea nobody knew Chelsea right I mean. It the it was the Brahmach era. They he brought in money, he he brought in a lot of good players. I, I remember seeing Crespo playing for uh for, for Chelsea and right. people started taking notice. People want to make fun of Manchester City. Uh, but i I used to like watch Manchester City play. A lot of players actually moved from Manchester City into Aston Villa setup. A lot of people moved uh vice versa as well. Right, right. But they had certain decent footballers. It's, it's not like they have plastic fans. I mean, obviously, with money, with the kind of fame they are getting, uh, the fan base has uh, definitely shot up. But yeah. it, it's the same thing that's going to happen. They're going to be like all this, uh, I think, oil-backed clubs <laughs> in the future. I mean, th- those are only people. I mean, Liverpool's up for sale, man. I mean, yeah. I, I would want to see like who's going to take that up.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe the... Uh... Dubai shakes could come in and just swoop Liverpool up. I mean, that's another story. You never know, man. You, you never know. know. FSG, we were just talking about those troubled times and when Liverpool was in what 300 million in debt uh, during those times. And and uh, fuck, man, we wanted to sign Gareth Barry and we sold Robbie Alonso to sign Gareth Barry. Imagine that. But uh, then he moved to Manchester City. So even that went out with terrible, terrible times. But yeah, FSG came in, bought the club for 300 million, and now they're selling it for somewhere north of 4 billion.
0: So yeah, quite a story. I mean, they did well. I mean, I mean, they they won the league, which we we thought was impossible. impossible. I mean, Gerard couldn't do it. Right. It's like if Gerard can't do it, nobody can do it. But then again, I mean. Uh, do I think it was a fluke? Maybe I don't know. Uh, it's very difficult to not consider city uh, uh, as the probable winners, right? At the start of the season, you see the kind of lineup they have okay. and and they did the same thing. They bought a lot of players. I mean, they bought uh, uh, I think Elano, back then when they just the bought the club, player. Elano he used to score league very league. good free kicks before he started uh, playing for indian indian league he, he was a good player yeah. they, they brought in robbenio i mean it was a funny story cause yeah. Robinho felt he was signing for chelsea and then he ended up playing for city but they bought a lot of players uh, there was rocky santa cruz i mean he was doing really well for uh, blackburn they back in the day in, and they
1: and then and then uh, other players, kolo toure and all went uh, there yaya toure went there so yeah, they they I remember those times. Uh, Carlos Tevez's famous rip Fergie banner always is still fresh in my memory. So yeah, it was it was quite a project, and, and they have revived. But like-
0: w- what they did, what they did well after that was they they bought a lot of players. They saw what was working, and and after that, they've actually invested wisely. They would only go for a couple of good players, and and they've all turned out to be to be like good in the setup. I don't think I've. I mean, except for Grealish, they've invested so much in a player and, and uh, he, he's not done well. I haven't seen it uh, in in, the, in City's recent history. I mean, so it would yeah, be the goalkeeper
1: like yeah. just after uh, Pep took over was, was that was something you know, you, I mean yeah, all their back four are like 50 million plus currently, uh, so that's quite expensive for sure but uh, i think they 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 hacked the game when they signed david silva and sergio aguero and that just killed it you know uh, they they had some decent players back and uh, that cracked the code so uh, yeah just just coming back uh, to to aston villa i just have one question before we go ahead and close this uh, because i think it's getting late even for you but uh, yeah philip coutinho i mean so my question digs a little deeper than just you know how great a player he is and how elated you are to have him. For me, number ten position is like gone. Number ten, you won't see a James Rodriguez in the next World Cup because that position, you know, a James Rodriguez, a Mesut Ozil, is is just is just out of fashion for some reason because tactically, you know, it's all about holding midfielders and and. Uh, you know, having those wingers run and having a false nine or a proper nine or whatever. Given these kind of situations, and given that in that system, Coutinho does not fit as a nine or a false nine as a winger. He's like a proper ten. And trust me, I have seen the best of Coutinho when when Sturridge, Suarez, and Sterling were there, uh, leading the line for Liverpool, and. His outside of the foot through walls was 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 a beauty to see in itself but I I, I don't see like not just for putinho but in general, I don't see a future for number tens in in the current setup. So how would you place putinho and how would you place future uh, future possibilities around him because see he's a great player okay if he wasn't that great then he wouldn't have gone to barcelona and barcelona wouldn't have spent so much And he's highly rated couldn't make the brazil world cup of course squad he couldn't make this world but but given all of that uh, how how realistically do you feel putinho is going to help and, and and push villa
0: forward i mean there are two players currently in that position I mean, there's also Emi Bundia, uh, who's obviously a fan favourite. Uh, he didn't get a lot of matches, but whenever he's played, I mean, he he puts in the effort, he puts in the extra shift, and and he's willing to take risks. A lot of times the passes uh, don't make a lot of sense, but he is that kind of player. And same goes for Coutinho, right? I mean, these are the players who need their freedom, and they can operate in the middle of the pitch. I mean, I wouldn't want to restrict him to a particular position, give him... A slightly wider berth. Let him play how Grealish used to play, but without too much dependency uh, on on one single player. Grealish didn't have a lot of players to support him, to be honest. But Coutinho does. I mean, a lot of players who are playing alongside him right now have that capability of seeing that pass, making that run without falling into the offside trap. They can actually do it. I mean, uh, Oli Watkins hit and miss, but I feel like give him enough opportunities and he might end up like scoring a goal or two. Same goes for Dannings. I mean, he was a huge talent, but things are not working well for him. But given that moment, he, he is one of those players who can pull that bunny bunny out of the hat, right? I mean, he has that potential. But again, like Coutinho right now, I mean, Emi Bundia is getting getting the, uh, the preference. Or Emi uh, e. Bundia is getting preferred over him. So I would actually want to see him in the middle of the park, not in the flanks. He needs to drop down slightly, help the, uh, the holding midfielders right now we have uh, like uh, Douglas Lewis in that position. Obviously, I personally feel he should play a, a slightly more uh, advanced role. He should be attacking more. He has that potential. But we do have enough players. right? There's Nakamba, there's Dendonker. There are a few players. So he needs to play just right in front of the holding midfielder. Make that amazing runs. Create opportunities for for others. Uh, like take in that pressure. Free up your... Like like wingers uh, oh, exactly. and let them let them just like deliver some amazing crosses into the box and and let the not let your really spikers do that. A, a
1: huge huge talent not really worth amazing out. amazing not really worth. I, mean, I mean to some extent. I mean I had better expectations from him, but
0: uh, I mean obviously the transition from like German league to to Premier League can be overwhelming. I mean I've, we've right. seen that with a lot of good players, right? I mean Modric uh, at the start of his career at Tottenham. I mean he was getting kicked. Like all over the pitch and and he couldn't play well. And then obviously he stayed. Uh, he he worked well on his fitness, overall, overall ball control. And and look at him now. I mean, even in his mid-30s, late 30s, he's to be like without a doubt one of the best players. Same goes for like Benzema at Real Madrid. Like these are the players you want in your team. I mean, uh, Coutinho has that experience. He's played like really well for Liverpool. And I've always been amazed at how how well you could score. And Right now, what I see missing from his game is he's kind of apprehensive about taking that shot. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's low on confidence, maybe he just needs like enough matches or enough trust put in by his manager so that he can do what he used to do at Liverpool. So I think maybe give him a bit of freedom, let him let him do what he does best, instead of like just limiting him to a particular role. Give him that free role, what Grealish used to do. Try and build a team around him and obviously you have better players now and you have the money to bring in more players. and. I mean, more than play, I mean, there are a lot of players who wanted to play with Coutinho. I mean, that's obviously a, a, a huge, huge statement, right? I mean, someone like Jacob Ramsey, who I'm, I'm pretty sure he would have seen Gerard play. He would have seen Coutinho play. Gerard coutinho playing together. And for him to play alongside uh, Coutinho, it's it's an amazing thing. To have someone of his caliber in the dressing room, I mean, it's it's a huge thing. And same goes for Ashley Young as well, right? He's 37. But... For a few matches, he's been one of our best players. So, it's it's just, I mean, having him in the in the dressing room, having an experience, giving him a slightly freer role, build a team around him, I think he will do well. Tough luck that he didn't get selected. Obviously, he, he is injured. Uh, he may not show up for Aston Villa for a few more matches. But uh, it just gives him enough time to figure things out. His best friend is out of the club now. So, either he can play well Continue featuring for his for his country. I mean, if that is the ultimate priority, like like a lot of lot of players.
1: Right. But and I mean, he, I feel for him.
0: Tremendous be, talent.
1: It would be heartbreaking for him to miss the World Cup because that was his entire plan, you know, to to push a move and then try and come to uh, Aston Villa and get some game time, put in some good performances, and then then get selected for the World Cup. But that couldn't happen. Uh, moving that aside. Uh, what, what are your expectations from this season and uh, what do you think, how well are uh, Aston Villa ending this season and uh, any any anything running in the transfer mill, uh, transfer rumour mill, uh, any players coming in, any players going out
0: with, of course. I mean, uh, yeah, top half the table. I mean, that, that would be an amazing achievement, I feel, considering where we are right now. Uh, Feature there like tenth position, ninth position. I mean, it's up for the taking, right? Uh, do we have a better squad than a lot of teams that are currently in that position? Yes. Uh, it's just a matter of getting a few good results, and I think we we can do that. Start of the season, obviously, we have enough time to build our squad. Uh, we have a decent squad right now. I mean, uh, there are a couple of spots wherein they would want reinforcements. Uh, a good holding midfielder is something they've been trying to fill for the longest time. But Douglas Lewis, I mean signing a contract extension i mean uh, that again that again means a lot right uh, considering arsenal were literally chasing him last season and they wanted him on board uh, he's a tremendous talent no doubt so uh, having him uh, for a few more years at the club that that means a lot so right now i mean uh, in terms of transfer it's uh, a bit uh, slow i would say uh, not a lot of uh, rumors around transfer but it would be good to see how how different unai Emory. Approach would be uh, compared compared to uh, compared to Gerard, and uh, he's obviously seen a lot of potential in players who are not featuring regularly, and, and he is giving them opportunities. Uh, Kamara is back again in in the lineup. I mean, he he can start. I feel, and he was doing really well before his injury. Uh, but again, I mean, he's not featuring in the France squad, so uh, I'm not entirely sure what's happening uh, in the international front. To be to be honest, but again, a tremendous talent, twenty-two year old. So we we have a few players uh, uh, who who it just seems like they're like new players. Uh, Diego Carlos obviously got injured. Sucks, amazing, amazing player doing really well, but he's just out out uh, for a few few more months. So I'm sure there are a lot of people who would want to uh, like shrug off their injuries and, and and reinvent themselves in the club. But it would be exciting to see see what what's gonna happen happen in January. I mean, Unai Emery obviously he might uh, look at a lot of Spanish players. That's that's the trend we have seen so far, right? With with wolves and all the players from Portugal. So it it uh, we just have to wait and see if he will manage to get a lot of Spanish players in the mix. Maybe a few people from Villarreal who he feels would would uh, play well for Aston Villa. But exciting times, you like you said. Obviously the win against United. Kind of amplifies the entire feeling, but a uh, lot of people uh, are still skeptical about uh, Unai Emery. But I, I personally feel he's his experience. But I think you uh, did, he's, a, he's you got did a lot one really well against Manchester United. I mean, I mean, they they, they, they defended well. Uh, the, the own goal was, uh, I mean, it was just like shit luck to be honest. But that's something that we are not able to do, right? Uh, we used to score, we used to lead in matches, and then we couldn't keep hold hold of it. Right. Uh, and if you have looked at United Aston Villa, like back in the day, it, it used to be a common trend, right, during Ferguson era. Villa would score, obviously, and uh, and it was the same against any other team for that matter. Manchester United would find some way to like win the match, and they would always do that, and it was really scary how how good they were. So. Against them, an amazing, amazing, amazing win. Uh, there's another match tonight. It's, it's the League Cup, so I'll okay. just have to see how how well they play. But again, away match, not sure. Unai did say uh, more than the league, I mean, he would want to get a silverware. So we'll have to see if he uh, puts forward a really strong team. But I would want a, a, a silverware, to be honest. I mean, it's it's long overdue, I feel. Uh, same goes for Arsenal. I mean, like, uh, good, good, good that they're like top of the league and, and they're like They've been doing really good in the club scene, but I mean, most of the players would want to taste some level of success and get some silverware.
1: So I have a bet that uh, give uh, after 20 games uh, Arsenal are coming down. So let's see how how success. Dude, that's been the case
0: post <laughs> post Christmas Arsenal and and like pre Christmas Arsenal are like two different two different sides, right? I mean, everything goes downhill. Post Christmas put
1: World Cup into the mix and it's it's more complicated. I mean this this year I think... I'm I'm actually glad
0: a lot of Villa players are actually not playing the World Cup because uh, uh, we've had that string of bad luck, right? A lot of people getting injured, so they have some rest and and come back and focus on the league. But again, uh, would Arsenal win the league? Uh, I don't yeah. think so. Do I want them to win the league? Yes. I mean obviously I would want to like some other team to win it. I was like rooting for Leicester when they won the league. Right. Uh, also, because Mark Albrighton was playing, and I'm a big fan of Jamie Wadi. But again, like, would they win it? I don't think so. But that brings me back to the question, man. I mean, I, I just saw your crest, and like what's what's next for Liverpool? They're not doing that well, to be honest, in the league. I mean, like what position are they in? like seventh, eighth, I think so. Yeah, they are there. Uh, like, what's going wrong for them? Like what's actually going wrong for them?
1: So I mean, uh, you have to listen to a few of the podcasts to. Get my longer version of it, but I'll just come again uh, and explain uh, what 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 my theory is and what. So I have two two three theories on what is going wrong. First is that when when uh, when Clock came in, he tried to make a team, right? And and you know Sadio Mane was his first signing. Now Sadio Mane has left the club, so you know there was a team. That he started building, built, failed, kept reinforcing it, and it peaked. The year that we won uh, the Premier League uh, was, I think, the peak performance of of Liverpool in every sense. It was the peak performance of Jordan Henderson. It was the peak performance of Roberto Firmino. I mean, these are the two players that are my absolute favourites, and not everyone gets how well they play. I mean, you watch any Liverpool goal... There is a little bit of Roberto Firmino in the mix because he is that kind of a player. I mean, they ask who's your CDM, and I say Roberto Firmino, and everyone laughs at it, but it's true. He is,
0: he and, is, and, 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 he is a center uh, Henderson Henderson. underrated player as well, right? I mean, uh, people were expecting him to just take up the role of what Gerard used to do for Liverpool, and but he, uh, he doesn't get Canada. enough credit. He's a good player.
1: Actually. He runs. He runs like crazy. He runs like, like you said, Milner used to run in his prime. And 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 the point is that this team peaked at that time. And now what you see is basically this team going down. James Milner has gotten old, but he's still the most reliable player Klopp turns to every time. Jordan Henderson doesn't run that well. Roberto Firmino has lost pace. He has lost a little bit of strength. Still, he's one of the better strikers of Premier League, I would say. Fabinho has dipped in form. Trent, everyone knows what's going on. And the root of the problem is is that it's a rebuilding phase. Uh, We sold Gini Vinaldum and we did not replace him with, with a suitable player. I mean, I love... I love uh, this guy, uh, Elliot. He's nineteen years old, and I think he plays in every goddamn match. plays well, plays uh, well plays yeah. well. and uh, so that is one theory of mine that okay, the team started, the team got built, the team obviously lost, you know, the famous Ramos versus Sala where uh, 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 Salah got pulled down, and we had a fucking uh, Adam Lalana to replace him. So that spoke volumes of of where the team was then. Versus how we won uh, the the Champions League and then the Premier League, and then next next season to that uh, we were pretty shit. But still, with all the injury problems, we managed to finish third. And the previous season, we what we came sec- we came second in the league. Uh, we we won two cups and we came uh, we we uh, were runner up in the Champions League. So that's not that bad. But this team is past its peak. Now there's this recycling phase which is going on and it is going to take some time. and It's going to cause a little bit of pain. That's my first theory of why Liverpool is sucking right now. The second theory is we have lost too many times on the big stage. I mean, that's maybe one of the signatures of Klopp. That, you know, he'll do well but he'll fail on the main stage. That's what he did with Dortmund a lot of times. Now, the fact that we have lost to Real Madrid and we have lost to certain kind and certain style of play, Klopp is trying to turn things around. He's trying to, you know, change the way. From Gengen pressing, you know, the way we used to run like headless chickens and, you know, just charge and win the ball. Uh, now it's something different. Now we have a Thiago. Now we have an Elliot. Now we have you know, those samba and Spanish kind of players so compared to a Gini Wijnaldum and a, uh, Jordan Henderson running towards a player and he, and the player would slip and there would be a Fabinho tackling him and that, that was it. And then the ball would be passed forward versus now is, you know, more creativity, more flair, more dribbling. You know, we we, we don't have dribblers in Liverpool. We have runners. Just take the ball and bloody run. And that is not the case right now. This guy, Diaz, Luis Diaz, uh, the guy from Porto, he dribbles and I just hold my head. So there are certain changes that Liverpool is, is facing. So it's going to be painful. This season, it's going to be painful. And I have been through some really tough days. So this is yeah, yeah. Nothing no doubt, dude. Like this is this is like, oh, we are still winning. We we still don't have half of the team injured. So, I mean, obviously the old timers of Liverpool have seen some very bad days, but it's tough. And you put the recent sale fiasco into the mix. I, I I'm I'm not so sure how things are gonna be. But yeah, Klopp's the man.
0: I would rather trust Klopp oh. to solve yeah. the
1: problem than.
0: Have... Well, I was going to ask ask that question. Like, is Klopp still the right man for the job? And obviously, he's taken Liverpool to certain heights, which which nobody thought what was possible, right? Within the league. I mean, without Gerard uh, with the likes of Henderson, for example, and aging Milner, it, it was a tremendous feat. I mean, the only thing that can I feel was better than that was Leicester doing what they did. Uh, but a lot of people say other teams weren't playing that well. But right. whatever. I mean, Leicester did whatever they did.
1: Too many times before reaching that level, you know. You see that. I mean, you know that one-inch goal line clearance from Stones. The best thing he has done all his life. Uh, that out-of-the-world shot from uh, Vincent Kompany. Uh, you know, we we lost against Villarreal. Uh, Unai Emre's Villarreal. On the European, uh, on the Euro League, then we lost one more Euro final. I don't know which. Uh, uh, Sevilla against Sevilla, uh, we lost one. Another one. We lost against Real Madrid. We lost. We lost too many times before reaching that. So it's not that it just happened. We we kept trying there. I mean, despite such. And 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 let me tell you, we have not spent in the premier. Uh, we have not spent too much. I mean, we have fueled all our transfers from player sales. Uh, the the Gerard, uh, sorry, the the Luis Suarez sale fueled certain set of players that have come in. Failed some of them. Coutinho. Uh, Coutinho. Uh, Coutinho. Amazing. And scene. Divock Origi and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, Players like that came in. Then next batch of players came in when we sold Coutinho uh, again, and then uh, then came Van Dijk, and then came Allison and uh, uh, Robertson. So it was a cycle, and and that 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 process is needs to be restarted. So that's what Liverpool needs right now, and it's gonna be painful here, maybe two, but uh, I, I I would I would rather do it with Klopp than do it with Hodgson. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Better days. <laughs> I mean, is an,
0: an amazing coach. I mean, uh, there aren't a lot of players uh, who, who do things with, with whatever limited resources they have. Not not saying that Klopp didn't have enough resources, but it's like Diego Simeone doing amazing things right. with Atletico, right? If
1: one player, uh, one coach, I would replace Klopp with is Simeone for sure.
0: Uh, there's there's nobody else who i mean obviously pep is an amazing coach but it's uh, we'll have to wait to see if he's going to like move out of city uh, they're not winning but champions pep league always had the I,
1: money and the players to do it you know
0: yeah he did, he did. he's easy. never but, done that with a depleted squad yeah right, he's never done that right.
1: i mean you are the manager of
0: barcelona bayern
1: munich and manchester city so
0: and and if you still don't win i mean there's seriously something wrong with you but
1: uh, again, uh, seems play.
0: like a decent coach it because uh, Arteta has definitely yeah. learned a lot of things from him. He's done amazing thing things with with Arsenal and not not the best squad, right? To right. be honest, I mean, again, like it's it's a somewhat above average average uh, squad. Some I mean, some bright players, but uh, otherwise. But yeah. then again,
1: my bet is still on twenty games. Let's just wait twenty games and Arsenal right so that's that that's why liverpool is is going to have difficult times and and with real madrid in the next round of 16 uh, i i really don't know it's, it's it's a tale of two seasons when the last season when i was raring to roaring to go against real madrid in the champions league final to right now i'm i'm not so sure
0: Again, that um... I mean, that's the Banzima, the only person standing like between Liverpool and and uh, another another like Champions League like recent recent win for them? I I just feel I that. I don't know. I the don't. I think player.
1: I'm more scared of players like Rodrigo and Vinicius currently because imagine Vinicius running against Trent Alexander Arnold. I I don't know where he'll leave him. So.
0: It's... Yeah, last. I'm, I'm not a big fan of Trent, to be honest. So, yeah. I mean, it's just a neutral I mean, point of view.
1: I mean, you can. He's go a good player to advancing to forward.
0: He's a good player advancing forward, but he just leaves a lot of open spaces. He's At the end of the day, you're a defender, man. So, defend. Right. right. I mean, <laughs> that's the I,
1: uh, I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's the similar way I used to. You know, I had this uh, Everton fan, and I used to criticize Seamus Coleman that uh... hey I love
0: Seamus Coleman okay <laughs> I love him uh, Leighton Baines Seamus Coleman like two players from Everton I've always admired amazing amazing <laughs> players
1: I, I used to tell him that Seamus Coleman you know he's he's a great player going forward he will do what it takes but he's not that good a defender and then uh, look at me now trying to defend Trent I love him because he's he's, he's a local lad he, he's academy and he, he'd not lose his spot that easy and for some reason Klopp I mean, he's class, okay. Three kicks, corners, crosses, passes, all of that is just too good an asset for the current Liverpool team to not have him play. But yeah, defense was always his weakness. I mean, uh, back in the day, uh, we lost 3-1 once to Manchester United and Rashford ran circles around him. And yeah, that's 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 a known fact, but but then the point was that we had a bit of injuries, and Ibrahima Konate was not playing, you know, on his side and giving him that cover. Fabinho was injured, so all of that, you know, that cover that he gets from Fabinho and Konate, or you know, uh, Joel, Matip. Joel Matip. Oh, Matip. Yeah. Okay, Matip. Matip. Yeah, yeah, Matip. So the, those kind of players have been missing. So, so obviously there were problems, and and this new system of Klopp, I I really don't get it. I think he should go back to to the way he used to play. But all of this is gonna take time, and maybe if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You never know. I mean, it worked against Tottenham. I mean, we beat them on pace on the wings, and it was what it was the very same gameplay that I've been irritated of. You know, a long through ball. And an aerial pass. So I don't like it. I, I, it's simple as that. I every time Liverpool hoofs the ball upfield in the air, I just I'm just like fuck, man, don't do that again. And they didn't do. Don't it. be
0: Burnley. <laughs>
1: I mean, not even Burnley, man. They're trying something different, and it's clear because you see how they played last year's Champions League, and and you know a significant shift in tactic. And maybe it's because we lost we lost its its it it, it did something deep inside plop so yeah that is thankful. to but anyway man this can go on all night uh let's yeah, yeah. it for the day and uh, it was lovely mm-hmm. to have you uh hopefully we can have likewise you man
0: definitely goes without saying
1: Shalom. Sure, no, like, thanks for having me ahead and and hopefully uh, uh, i'll love to have you back again I, I i don't know how many times i've said it but yeah please come back <laughs> because we'd
0: love yeah to i'll back. do that i'll do that like share honest unbiased opinion about teams and, uh-huh.
1: and
0: say things you don't want to hear to be honest right. from a neutral point of view right. but yeah I'd i would love, love to be part more of about
1: this. your opinion on on liverpool because that would be something good uh, but yeah uh, let's save that for the next episode
0: perfect thanks cheers, thanks so much, Thank Ash, you so much Cheers. so much <laughs>